house of God. Amen? I trust your summer is going very well thus far. We, uh, we're coming back from our annual church campout. For those who made it up to our annual church campout, we had a great time away. It was uh, filled with lots of family, lots of fellowship, lots of fires, and uh, no forest fires. That was good, uh, but lots of just good fellowship. For the rest of the family, we missed you, and we're glad to be back. And uh, diving into a new series, uh, we finished, well, we finished the book. Yeah, amen. And here's the good news. We win. We all live happily ever after, praise God. Uh, we finished the book of Revelation, and uh, we will be embarking on the book of Genesis in a few short weeks, about six weeks, we'll be diving in, the first Sunday in September, into the book of Genesis. So we want to encourage you to be reading in advance right now. Uh, we are in a 90-day challenge. We are on day 24 of that challenge. We're reading three chapters a day. We're going through the book of Genesis all the way up through 1 Samuel. So we would invite you to join with us. There's a little pamphlet up here if you'd like to follow along with us, and uh, it's really a systematic read of three chapters a day, and so invite you to do that. Certainly that you would be saturating yourselves in the book of Genesis, as that is where we will be hunkering down for a short season. <clears throat> I say short season. <laughs> we may be in Genesis for a while. Uh, I know our men's group went through the book of Genesis, and uh, they still tease me about it when guys haven't been there for a couple of years. They show back up and they say, where are we at, Genesis chapter 4? <laughs> so that's fun. A uh, couple of quick announcements, and then uh, I'll invite you as we share these announcements to turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Ephesians. As Matthew said, we are uh, going to be studying, uh, really looking at relationships. The series is called Home Improvement, and if you're familiar with the television show Home Improvement with Tim Allen and uh, a number of other stars that uh, you'll see perhaps uh, from week to week, a couple of funny clips that uh, illustrate uh, some of the things that can transpire in marriages, and uh, we'll work to really build uh, strong marriages. Uh, but what we're looking at first, I want to really promote our Sunday evening service. Over the next six weeks, we actually have only four Sunday nights that will four Sunday nights that we'll be looking at the apologetics. One of the Sunday nights will be a time of prayer together as a family, so we want to invite you to come and be a part of that prayer time. And then one Sunday night, we have no evening service, and that's in August, on August 21st. But the, really the next uh, five Sundays, if you will, four of them will be focused on the subject matter of apologetics. Apologetics. And apologetics is really preparing oneself to give defense for the faith that we have. How many of us feel like we would like to be more equipped when it comes to being prepared to answer people's questions that they have in relationship to your personal faith? If you say, I'd like to be more prepared. Well, I want to encourage you. Oh, no, hold those hands up. Hold those hands up. Just look around real quick because there's a lot of hands up. All of us in reality could be better equipped to share the reasons 
for the hope that is in us. And uh, we have a gifted instructor, a gifted Bible teacher, who will be sharing from the Word of God. And uh, you will not be sorry if you are here. John Roberts, will you just stand up real quick, John? John Roberts, he's the uh, campus pastor at Portland Christian School. He's the head football coach there. Woohoo! And he is the Bible teacher out there, and he's just a man of God. He's in our own fellowship, and he is coming to present. It's going to be great. Mamas and papas with kids. Mamas and papas with kids. Come Sunday evening. We have a Sunday evening program or a Sunday evening time with the children that will be dynamic during these days as well. Excuse me, as well. And uh, we have uh, Frank Hedrick and his daughter Katie. Frank, will you just stand real quick? And is Katie in the house? Katie might be back in the back. Oh, there's Frank. He doesn't want to stand. He's like, hey, it's me. Anyway, they're going to be working with our kids and uh, many, many years of uh, experience working with children. And uh, we're just super, super excited. And so we want you to come and be here. How many of you say, I'm coming tonight just because I know I need it? Raise your hand. I'm coming tonight because I know it. Oh, that was puny. <laughs> we're just going to wait here until more hands. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> we want you to be here. And here's the thing, everyone. And I mean this from the depths of my heart. As the body of Christ, we need to be more equipped. We need to be more equipped. There will be a packet that is handed out that will better equip you for the long haul. But don't just grab the packet and not be here on a Sunday night. Because the teaching of the Word will be the strength. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's right. Romans 10, 17. And we want that to be made manifest in our lives. Paul the Apostle encourages every believer. Point to yourself. Say, that's me. Okay, all 17 of you who did that, good for you. The rest of you, point to yourself. Say, hey, that's me. That's me. And here's the thing. Some of you are like pointing at your neighbor saying, that's them too. <laughs> the scripture, Paul encourages the entire church of Colossus, And he says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. There are those who have gone through the entirety of the word of God and have calculated how many promises are contained within the Word of God. Conservative estimates are above 2,500 promises. Conservative. There are even some who have calculated the simplicity of the promises and have said there is as many as 48,000 promises. The Scripture tells us that all of the promises of God are yes in Him and amen in Him. They're all ours. They're ours. Galatians chapter 3 reminds us that we are blessed with believing Abraham. Listen, the promises that have been given to Abraham, they're ours in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And here's the thing. When the Word of God says, let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you, listen, if the conservative number of 2,500 to 3,000, ask yourself, how many of the promises am I aware of personally? 
How many do I know? If it's 3,000 and you say, man, I know 300 of the promises of God, congratulations, you know 10%. That's kind of low on the totem pole, isn't it? Yeah. We should be familiarizing ourselves. We should be memorizing. We should be meditating on those promises. So listen, if you say to yourself, man, he said like 300. I only know 30. That's like 1%. Anybody here want just 1% of the promises of God applied to your life? (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll take one. (laughs) We'll not only take the one, we'll take the rest of them as well. I'll take one, but I want them all. So let's come and learn. Amen? Let's be students of the Word of God. And not just on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday again. Amen? Amen. That's like a sermon right there. That's exciting. (laughs) You'll probably get a few sermons today. That's good. Uh, So, come Sunday night, the next six weeks, except for the one Sunday that we don't have it. Uh, B-Town Kids. I want to just let all moms and dads with children know Every Saturday through the end of the summer, all the way through the end of August, August 27th, which will be our last Saturday, that last, we have every Saturday right here in the playground area and kind of the front end of the field here, we have B-Town kids from noon to about 2 o'clock, just fun, games, a little lesson time with the kids, food, we do a barbecue, it's great. We have a lot of our community that's coming out to be a part, and it'd be marvelous the more of our church family integrating and building relationships with families in our community when the school year starts and they kick into their normal MO and their next nine months of what their systems will be and what their consistencies will be, we would love to have them come and be a part of a church that simply loves people and loves God. Wouldn't that be marvelous? So your connection, your children interacting with those other children would be marvelous. We've had many, many of the families asking us about our fellowship, why we do what we do, and we simply get to tell them because we love God, God loves us, and we simply love people as a result of that. And so, epic time. Come and join us, moms and dads and children. And then next Sunday, just by way of reminder, it's an afterglow Sunday. What that means is immediately following the service, burgers and brats. It's on a donation basis. Those donations, yeah, let me hear that again. A little woohoo for the burgers and brats. There we go. Uh, donation basis. Hey, be generous because all the donations are going towards our Chile mission trip in 2017. And we've got a group of young people that are going to be going on that mission trip. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about home improvement. Our text is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. The goal here and the thought today, home improvement Building healthy homes or building healthy marriages. If you're here today and say, well, I'm not currently married. Don't worry, this will apply to you. If you say, well, I'm no longer married. Don't worry, this will apply to you. If you're in the midst of getting married where you're engaged and we have a number of couples that have either recently gotten married or are engaged. we got Josh and Sierra who are getting married in like less than two weeks. I mean, it's almost here, guys. We had a wedding yesterday, as you just heard from Matthew, uh, that's connected to our fellowship. And we've just, there's a lot going on. But all of this will apply to each of us in 
in our walk with the Lord as well. So I want to encourage you to stay, stay connected and stay engaged. Let's begin by reading Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Submitting to the Lord, or excuse me, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, we're starting mid-sentence. How many of you like starting mid-sentence in the Bible? Those of you who are students of the Word, you say, wait, we need to back up and know what Paul's talking about here. So let's just do that. Let's begin in verse 15. He's talking about walking in wisdom, and let's, let's look at it. He says, see then, verse 15, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, in the next few moments, as we look at some application in relationship to building a healthy home, a healthy marriage. Lord, will you inspire us? Will you challenge us? And Lord, may we respond in obedience to the Word of God and to the authority of the Word in our lives, God, that we would with willingness and with heart, Lord, begin to, in a greater measure, honor you in our homes, and in our relationships. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said a strong amen. Amen. So, how do we, how do we be about building a strong and healthy home or a strong and healthy marriage? Three thoughts. Number one, be building upon the solid foundation. The solid foundation. Now, in the Gospels, we are reminded by Jesus about an unwise builder and a wise builder. 
the unwise builder built his house upon the sand. And when the storms of life came, the waves and all beat against the house. The Bible says, and Jesus says, that that house came down with a mighty crash. So a house built on sand would be a house that will not stand when storms come. But he says the wise builder, the one who listens to the words of Jesus and puts them into application, is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The right foundation. He built his house on the rock such that when the waves and the storms came and beat against the house, the house stood because it had a solid foundation. You and I are to be wise builders. The Apostle Paul, a master builder, he says, as a master builder, no one can build upon any other foundation than the foundation that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 tells us that. Jesus Christ is the rock. He is the solid foundation. And then Paul says, if anyone builds upon this foundation, and he goes on and talks about different materials that we can use. But note again that he says the word if. Here's the opportunity for every one of us in building upon the solid foundation. It is a choice that every one of us will have to make. Will you choose to build your house? Will you choose to build your home personally and practically in a marriage relationship? Will you build upon the solid rock, the solid foundation of Jesus Christ? Now, all of us have that choice. I would like to suggest to you, along with the Apostle Paul, that you would build there and that you would build with good materials. If money was not an object today and you were building a home, you would likely go out and get the best materials. When it comes to your kitchens and your bathrooms, oh, you'd want the finest of the appliances. You'd probably want those granite or quartz countertops. You'd probably want real wood floors or whatever it looks like. You would simply do it with quality material, particularly if money was not an option. And I suggest to you that in your spiritual life, money certainly is not an option. And we have the opportunity to build with good materials on the foundation that has been provided for us. Here's the beauty of this. Listen, in your life and in my life, our general contractor is like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our general contractor, and He will guide us. He will direct us. He'll even unroll the blueprints and say, here's how to build. He'll teach us 
how to build wealth if we will but listen to him. He'll tell us when we're using the wrong materials. Anybody ever heard him say, hey, don't do that, clean your wrong materials? Yeah, we've all heard that. If we would but listen, we would do ourselves very, very well. I love that we have one who helps. The scripture says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. And he goes on to say, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Listen, as we build, let's build with the Lord upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, I would say that a husband and a wife or a man and a woman that are building their lives upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, a husband and wife who have a vital, living, growing relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God will do some dynamics in our lives. I think for some of us, understanding what it means to have a living, vital, and growing relationship with God, that is the question. What does that look like? Now, I recognize that if you just looked around the room for a minute, there are many different faces in the room. And we could all, in a very general sense, say, well, it will be different with each one of us. But practically, it will be very similar in areas of our lives. There will be similarities. And so I'd like to just move with the idea that building upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, every one of us needs to make that decision. We must make that decision. And... The encouragement coming from not only myself, but all of the pastors, the elders of the church, your brothers and sisters, all of us would say, yes, let's build there. Amen? Let me get a hearty amen. Amen? Amen. Your choice, but make that choice. And if you haven't made that choice up to this point, may today be the decision-making point for you that you would build there. Now, I'd like to move into... Really, the second point, because the second point, which is be building with simple fundamentals, simple materials, if you will. We need to build with the simplicity of what has been provided for us, and we would discover today that there really are materials that are quite simple if we would put them into practice. In fact, there is there's so much information today out there, both in the secular realm as well as in the Christian realm, in the church of Jesus Christ, all kinds of materials to strengthen marriages, to strengthen homes, to strengthen families. And I'd like to say, and I'll probably get some level of repercussion here, but I just, I'm just i going to say it. I think it's simple. It's more simple than all the stuff that's out there. It's more simple. And if we would approach it in a very simplistic way, and I mean husbands and wives together approaching things in a simpler way, we might discover the power of God in a more dynamic way. Does that make sense? Keep it simple what? Stupid. Thank you. (laughs) We need to. Sometimes we approach the Word of God too complex, and we need to recognize that there's some simplicities in the Word of God. Now, I'll say that to say it this way. We all know when the Word of God says, 
husbands love your wives. That's pretty simple. And every husband said, well, maybe. <laughs> when, when we talk about some of these simplistics, there are some things about them, but, but it means we need to change. We might even have to change our understanding of what the words mean. Does that make sense? But we need to be willing to change. If you want to have an excellent marriage and a strength and a healthy home, it means you're going to have to change. Every one of us in this room, we're going to have to change. Can I get an amen? How many of us would agree we need to change? Can I get an amen? Listen, when the, when the marriages in the church of Jesus Christ do not look much different than the marriages in the world, there's a problem. Because the Apostle Paul says he's referring to a mystery, the love of God and the relationship of the body of Christ to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ, and there should be something that sets us apart. It should be an obvious thing, because we are His witnesses. And when our marriage is similar to the marriages in the world without Christ, we got to know it's with you, not with God, right? The problem lies in with us, okay? So let's be willing. So building with simple fundamentals. Love, I'm going to use the word love for a moment. I'm gonna, I want to use the word love and the word live synonymously, okay? Because if we live our love, that's what we're looking for, live our love. Let's love and let's live that love out. Does that make sense? Are you with me on that? Okay. Let's make sure we're on that same page. So, love submissively. In other words, verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. The word submit there, hupotasso, is a Greek military term. And it means to put things in proper order. Put them in order. And when we submit to one another, it's putting things in proper order. Now, you'll note that verse 22 says to the women, Wives, submit to your husbands. But I would remind every husband here that verse 21, which always comes before 22, says to submit to one another. Submit to one another. And here's the picture. A husband and a wife putting things in order means that both of them are putting God first. I appreciate the hearty amen. But in the church, we say amen, but we don't often live the amen. Because men and women put themselves first often. And when that happens, you can be guaranteeing there will be conflict. Does that make sense? So putting things in order. Now, there is a proper order, and just as Christ is the head of the church, so the man is the head of the home or the head of the marriage. 
there is a proper order because responsibility ultimately lies upon the shoulders of the man. Now, I don't want to focus on that element today. I just, there's, there, this was written, I think, and creates a lot of grief for a lot of pastors, certainly not me. But I, I, what I mean by that is there is an understanding of submission. And though we're not going to spend much time there today, if we would recognize that we submit one to another, and ultimately our submission is to the Lord, a man who is fully submitted to Christ and the authority of the Word of God in their lives, there's not a female in the house that would have a difficulty submitting to them. It's a reality. Fellas, our problem is we don't fully submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Our tendency is not to do that. And fellas, we need to submit to the Lord. That's a big deal. We will focus on that, but not today. Uh, so love and live submissively. That military term, I'd like to read just a definition. From the military standpoint, it means to be subordinate, to arrange under, to yield one's admonition. And from a civilian standpoint, when that word is used, it means this, a voluntary attitude of giving in cooperation, assuming responsibility, and carrying the load. If we would both do that, we would have stronger marriages. An attitude, a voluntary attitude of giving in cooperation. Listen. Loving and submitting. Just like we talk about submitting to the Word of God and we heard the hearty amen, that whole submission should be working in our relationships. Wives to husbands and husbands to wives. It's mutual. It's voluntary. Just like you receive salvation voluntarily, Jesus, come into my life, be the Lord of my life. I put my faith in what you did at the cross at Calvary, and I voluntarily put myself under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I'm also voluntarily saying I'm going to submit to you in your authority in my life. And if you rebel against his authority in your life, you're likely also rebelling in the area of submission one to another. And guess what that will do? Just like you'll have conflict in your life because you've come out from underneath the covering, if you will, of the Lord, you're going to have conflict in your life because you're not submitting one to another. Does that make sense? I'm going way further and off where I was intending to go. But all that to say, uh, simple fundamental, we need to be submissive to one another. And lovingly and living that way. The second one is to love and live sacrificially. Sacrificially. I'm just going to say it this way. Consider others' needs over your own. It doesn't mean neglect your needs, but it means to consider others over yourself. Read Philippians chapter 2 all over again. Jesus Christ is our example, and He willfully submitted, He willfully sacrificed on our part and on our behalf up to and including to the point of death. He died 
a substitutionary death for you and me. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He died. And he inspires us to do the same thing. To die to self. Die to self. He said, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, I die daily. I die daily. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 maybe, 3, 11. I need to look it up. Die daily. He goes on to say, you can read it in Romans chapter 8, in relationship to the flesh, he says, I mortify the deeds of the flesh. I put to death the deeds of my carnal nature. I die to myself. He says to the churches of Galatia, in Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Crucified. I am dying. That idea of sacrificial living. Death to self. So we have love and live submissively. We have love and live sacrificially. Love and live supremely. And I just chose the word supremely because it works with the letter F. (laughs) What I mean is love unconditionally. And that is the supreme love. Of the four Greek words that describe love, agape is the supreme. It's unconditional love. And we're to love without condition. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, describe it magnificently. It's the love of God. And He gives us and empowers us to love that way. And we'll look at that in just a moment. So, love supremely. Incidentally, let me say this. In marriages and relationships with people, okay, so really all relationships, specifically marriages, sometimes we want to complain about our spouse. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone brave enough to raise their hand? (laughs) My wife's not in here. (laughs) She says, I'm not going to come on Sunday morning. You're talking about marriage. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) She's with the kids. Uh, But... We, we want to complain. Know this, men. I want to talk to men for just a minute. Know this, men. Because men sometimes, sometimes it's around the water cooler at work. My wife, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. We're just talking. And oftentimes, talking about things that we don't like about our spouse. Now, wives, you probably do it too, maybe. But for the men, I just want you to understand something. The Bible says that the wife is the glory of the husband. The word glory there means like the sun is the source and the moon has no source in itself, but it reflects the glory of the sun. It's a reflection. Wives are a reflection of their husbands. So, fellas, if you're complaining about your wife, you're really complaining about yourself because you failed somewhere. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? 
That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Sometimes when we make statements like that from the pulpit, there's an exception to the rule, and I get that. But nine times out of ten, maybe 99 out of 100, maybe 999 out of 1,000, do the math all the way up. The percentages where the exceptions are are generally very low. So, here's how do we fix that? If you've got areas of complaining, look internally. Begin. Have you prayed for your spouse? Whether you're a husband or a wife, if you're if it's complaining, have you prayed about that area? Uh, we need to stop going to our girlfriends and boyfriends, use the vernacular, and stop complaining about and taking those complaints to the Lord and to the Lord alone. To the Lord alone. Because when we start to talk to our Father who is in the secret place, it is our Father who in the secret place sees what's happening in the secret place and He rewards us. And I will tell you that in my life, personally, that 99 out of 100 times that I'm going to the Lord about something that I might have in beef against my wife, He he just shows me a mirror. And I go, oh, and I realized i got to change. And the times that I didn't change, and I find that I have the same complaint a little bit further down the road, he just says, remember? And I'm like, die. And i got to make change. And if I want to be a man of God, and I want to submit to the Spirit and to the Word of God, I need to change. Here's the beauty. He doesn't just throw us out there and says, there goes now, go change. Good luck. He helps us. If we are willing, He said, I'll walk with you in this. I got you. I got you. And He'll help us. He'll help us. Does that make sense? How many men in here could say, you know what? Well, let me ask it this way. How many wives in here would say, your man needs to change a little? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And how many fellas would say, or how many of us would acknowledge, we need some fixing going on, right? Yeah, we need some fixing. Good. So let's be willing because every one of us, listen, when you stood at the altar and you said, I do, you had a vision for your marriage. And you would not have said, I do, if you didn't have some kind of dream. Likely, again, there's exceptions to that rule, but I'm just saying, you were hopeful something good. And if it isn't what you thought it was or to be, it's also a reflection of each one of us individually. Does that make sense? Oh, that God would help us to respond in obedience to the Lord and say, yes, I will cooperate with you. Husbands and wives that are fully submitted to the Lord, God will do dynamic things. So, love and live submissively, sacrificially, supremely. And finally, here's my new word for the day. Sanctifyingly. That's a made-up word. about the washing of the water of the Word. The washing of the water of the Word. We all need the washing of the water of the Word of God in our lives. I listened to a sermon from a pastor that I had seen, and he told of the story of the wedding in, the Cana, in Cana of Galilee. The first miracle of Jesus. 
typology associated with it is quite fascinating. And I will just simply say it this way, that they ran out of wine at the wedding. And this was a week-long celebration, and the wine was out. And Jesus' mother came to him and said, they're out of wine. He says, what am I to do with this? It's not my time. And she says to the fellows who were there, do whatever he says. <laughs> so Jesus says to the men, see those earthen vessels over there? Fulfill them to the brim with water. Then draw from the water and take it to the master of the ceremony. And when he tastes, he'll have good wine. So they said, taking water, I don't know, but she says, you say. And they take the earthen vessels and they fill them with water. And they take the water that was changed to wine to the master of the ceremonies. And the master of the ceremony says, this is the best of wines. Most would serve the best first. And when the people have been intoxicated, they'll bring out the lesser wine at the end. But he has brought the best of the wine out at the end. And here's the, here's the correlation. And it is interesting that it was at a, at a wedding. The Bible tells us we have in these earthen vessels, in these earthen vessels, the mystery of the gospel, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is all we carry about in these earthen vessels. We are like the earthen vessels. And what we need more in our lives is the water of the Word of God filled to the brim. And when we are filled to the brim, the miracle of the sweetness of wine can be the experience in our marriages. And I thought that was a beautiful picture and a correlation. And so if your marriage is lacking, if your marriage is not sweet, if your marriage is not full of romance, if your marriage is not filled with joy, communion, communication, I would submit to you that both, pressed down, shaken together, and running over of the Word, the water of the Word of God in our lives. Because it will cleanse us. It will take out selfishness in us. It will put in selflessness and others first working through us. So, that's the sanctifying one. Now, I want to take a minute. I'm just going to look at the clock. I can't see a clock. Someone will have to tell me what time it is. What time is it? My sister-in-law says, time. <laughs> uh, what I want you to do, here's your assignment. Here's your assignment for today. I would invite every person here, married or unmarried, that you would go to the Word of God, you would open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you would read verses 4 through 8. I won't take the time to do this today. Because I'm inviting you to do this. And it's your choice. You can or you, I mean, you don't have to, but you can. And I would that you would. And it goes through a whole series of statements of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Etc. Take the word love and exchange it with the name Jesus. Now, we've done this before. And don't say, well, I did that before. I won't do it again. No, go do it again. Remove the word love and put in the name Jesus. Jesus is kind. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Right on down the line. 
Jesus is not rude. He carries no record of wrongdoing. Right? The equation works. Jesus is always faithful. Always. The equation works. The equation works. Remove the name Jesus and put in God the Father. God the Father is patient. God the Father is kind. Right on down the line. The equation works. Put in the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit is patient. God the Spirit is kind. And, and please, do, do the little equation. It will take you but about ten minutes. Then, after you've done all three of the Godhead, put your name in there. Dave is patient. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know who just amen that, but thank you. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you will pray and say, Holy Spirit, will you reveal me to me in this simple exercise? The Spirit of God is faithful because He yearns jealously within us. Those whose faith is in Christ the Spirit of God dwells in us, and He is yearning jealously for us. Not because, not because He's arrogant, not because He needs us. No, because He wants to be able to give us what's best. Isn't that cool? God loves us so much, He wants to give us His best. We're the ones that cloud the water from receiving God's best. So if you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal me to me. Dave is patient. I guarantee... The Spirit of God will reveal to you some areas of your life where you do not show patience. Doesn't show it. But here's the opportunity. You can decide at that point, I'm going to obey. In that area, God, help me every day to be more patient. Does that make sense? Uh, kindness. Let me ask wives and females in general. How many women here would love if men in general, let alone your husband, but men in general, were simply kinder? Can you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Yeah. When, when we just be kind. And every one of us could stand to be more kind. Fellas, how many of you would like your wives to be more kind or the ladies to be a little more kind? Yeah. Now all the guys are like retaliation. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> But the idea there is we all could stand to be kinder. Think about the last time you dealt with someone unkind that was on the outside of the kingdom of God. What kind of witness were you for the Lord Jesus Christ? I guarantee you the Spirit of God will reveal to you areas that you could grow in kindness. And right on down the line. I love this one. Love is not puffed up. Jesus is not puffed up. God the Father is not puffed up. The Holy Spirit is not puffed up. Dave is puffed up. <laughs> we discover our own level of arrogance and how it's about us. Me, me, me. More of me. And it, it really is. It's painful, but it's true. No evil. This is big. But sometimes in marriages we have we we think that our spouses had evil intent. You did this and we have evil intent. 
The Bible says love doesn't think that way. Love doesn't think that way. Oh, Lord, help us. So often we think people have evil intent. Why? Because we do have evil intent. Right? Now, if I thought, man, my wife, she had an evil intent there. The reality is what I'm so quickly able to point out in someone else, it's like David and the prophet Nathan. I'm the guy. And in my life, I must operate with some evil intent. Therefore, I'm suspicious about how other people in deal with me. And I bring it to that most primary relationship with my wife. Sometimes even my relationship with God. God, you're just out to get me. Right? Sometimes we think that way. Is God out to get us? No. I mean, He wants to get us. He wants to love us. But He's not out to get us. Okay? So it's a little assignment. How many, can we, yes, yes, we'll do that assignment. I will tell you, it, it has the opportunity to bring change in your life today. It can strengthen your marriage today. spiritual food. A healthy home should be bearing spiritual fruit. Now certainly the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those should be in there as well. But, here's just a couple. A sanctified home. Ephesians 5 reminds us about the home. A marriage lived out according to the principles of the Word keeps God at the center. Produces a home where Jesus is king. Is Jesus king? Is he king in your life? Is he king in your home? It is a marriage that opens the door for God's blessing in many amazing ways. Many amazing ways. And it's the kind of marriage that invites us to always let God be our home and to dwell in that home. So the fruit of a sanctified home. The fruit of glorifying Jesus is Ephesians chapter Five and verse 32, the, the, the exhortation of Christ. A marriage lived out according to the principles of the Word of God brings glory to the Lord. Brings glory to God. Think about the last conflict you were in, husbands and wives. Was that bringing glory to God? Was your position of rightness bringing glory to God? Or was it really just forcing you? Does that make sense? Me, me, me. I have to win. Anybody here have to win? <laughs> if that's you, hey, give up. Surrender. I surrender all. And watch what God does. Uh, glorifying Jesus is a marriage that honors His will. If we would submit to the Lord, we're honoring His will in our own personal lives, right? I want to do the will of God. Well, in your marriage also, you might discover that when we glorify Jesus, we'll also honor His will, and His will is a sanctified and healthy marriage. And so there will be some death to self, if you will, and the... John the Baptist said it this way, I must decrease, He must what? Increase. Yeah. Uh, the fruit of witnessing and testifying. When you've seen a healthy marriage in the Lord, people notice. They see there's something different about those two. There's something different about those two. There's something different about their marriage. 
Marriages that aren't as strong say, I want what you have. What do you have? What's working in your life? How does that work? How does that work? Tell us. What's your secret? How many people have asked that question? You see a couple who's been married for 50 plus years, and the man's still holding his wife's hand, and they're like, lovey-dovey. I see it at Denny's all the time every week. I see these couples that come in, and they're just lovey-dovey. I just go over, and I, I visit with them. Hey, tell me. What's the secret? And do you know that most of them have said, we put Jesus first. That's a witness to the Lord. You can see something different, and it's good. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So it's witness. It's testimony. And I would say the fruit of ministry. And we'll close with that thought. Healthy marriages seek to raise up healthy children. Never want everyone to listen to this for a moment. Because you may be, you may have grown up in a home where dads didn't love moms, moms didn't love dads. Maybe there was violence in the home. Maybe there, there was a lot of arguing, screaming, cussing, all that kind of stuff. I, I know because in my home there was a lot of that. On the other hand, in my home there was a lot of loving going on as well. But never use what you were exposed to as an excuse to continue that. If you're born again today, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. The DNA work has changed. The Spirit of God is dwelling in you, and He is changing you from the inside out. For good. So, well, my dad was, my dad had a temper, so I had one too. Hog, wash, baloney, wife, call me. That's not right. We need to check each other in that kind of stuff. And if that kind of stuff is happening behind closed doors, expose it. Find, get counsel, get counsel. It shouldn't be happening. Get well. Because you don't want to stay there. Who wants to stay there? Let's not have hardness of heart. We want to raise up children in the fear and admonition of the Lord so that we have a generation of healthy marriages. I will say I'm very thankful for the marriages in Hillside Christian Fellowship. On, on a majority-wise, lots of healthy things going on. Praise the Lord. But if there's not health in your marriage and you want help, listen, we would love. Do, do we have all the answers? No, we don't have all the answers. But God does. And we'll help navigate and find them. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? We work with marriage teams. They're excellent organization, helping marriages become healthy through communication and discovering how to communicate better. 64% of marriages that have ended in divorce, 64% of them attribute it to poor communication. Communication! Hello. If we would just get better at sense? I invite you to stand with me this morning. So, home improvement. Home improvement. Working on the home, the first element in a home is a marriage. And so that we would build healthy marriages. All of these things are applicable to our lives in relationship to Jesus. How we live with Jesus. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for marriages and we're going to pray for homes. 
If you're here this morning and you want your marriage to be included in this prayer time and your spouse is here, will you simply extend your hand, put your hand or arm around his shoulder, hold hands, and you say, yeah, we're going to believe together. And men, lead by example here. Say, yeah, that's us. I saw Frank. Frank just went like this. <laughs> and then he says, I'm teasing. Anyway, the idea there is, guys, that we cooperate with one another. It's voluntary attitude, right? I am in this. I'm in this. And I want the Lord in this, that we might strengthen our families. Kids, you know the things that go on in your head. You know. Don't make excuses for even maybe poor behavior on your part. Maybe you're disobedient. Maybe you're frustrated with your mom and dad. Maybe there's a whole lot of things that you'd like to dump out and expose. Hey, you know what? Rather than that, why don't you take all that stuff and hand it over to the Lord and say, God, will you help my family with these things? I see these things. Do you know that it's okay for young people to speak to their parents about, man, I see what's going on in your life? I see what's going on in your life. I know Kim and I, we've made it an open open opportunity for our kids. You see something not working in me, right? I tell my boys perpetually, and I tell my daughter the same thing. She sees more, so I tell her less often. <laughs> I'm teasing. We say, hey, you see an inconsistency. Say, can I talk to you? And the moment we start to make up excuses, just push the Word of God in front of us and say, show me chapter and verse. Our kids see a lot. They see a lot. And God has given them wisdom. And it's tough to pull the wool over a children's eyes. Everybody understand that? Pretty tough to hide it too, right? They see it. They hear it. And they feel it. So let's listen to them. Does that empower them? It empowers them in a number of ways. To walk in disobedience? No. But how to have a strong marriage when the time comes and they stand at the altar and say, I do. They will have learned to navigate the relationship better. Does that make sense? So kids, maybe today you'll be praying for your family. Maybe you'll be praying for your home. Maybe you'll be praying for your children. For your children. <laughs> no, for your parents. That might be acting like children. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. The institution of marriage is something that you established in the days of creation. After you had made man in your own image, you had taken from Adam's side a rib and flesh, and you fashioned for him a wife. And you blessed them, and you said, be fruitful and multiply. You established marriage, you established family, you established the home. You are about marriage, you are for marriage, and you will help every marriage here. We ask, God, that you would bless the marriages of our fellowship and in our community, that the marriages here would be certainly a reflection of the work of Christ in our lives, both individually and collectively as the body or the unit of the family, the body of Christ, the oneness joined together. And Lord, we're asking that in the days to come. That, God, we would see a strengthening of marriages in our midst as we build upon the solid foundation, as we build with good fundamentals, simple fundamentals to love and to submit and to respect and to honor, all of those kinds of things, and that we would see the fruit 
in our lives. So God be glorified. Will you bless every marriage, every man and woman in the house, every young person in the house that are representing future marriages, future homes, every single person, every person that has been divorced, every remarried person. Lord, will you from this day forward help us prepare for the future and God build today. We love you, we praise you, and ask your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus. God bless you. And be sure to come tonight, 6 o'clock, right here, and we'll worship Jesus together and study the Word. How you doing, brother? Good to see you, JP. Blessings on you. You doing good? Yeah, what's happening up there?